It is Wednesday, September 1st, and you are listening to Steve Zach Syndrome. I am Scott Bunn. And I am Tom Chalmers, and this is your Indie Sports Radio. Welcome yeah, to we're, it. Yeah, uh, we're, we're covering the world, covering the country. Uh, yeah, you, we do pre-record these uh, remotely, and with the magic of that, um, we can call in from anywhere. So you are not in the great state of North Carolina, Tom. I am not. Uh, I've traveled to the Northeast uh, to visit with friends and family for the first time in two years, and it's a really good feeling. Uh, I had lots of panic attacks that just something would happen that this wouldn't be possible. But no, I spent some time in the Catskills and then in Vermont, and now I am in Portland, Maine, um, coming to you live from my nephew's bedroom, <laughs> yes, which is where the internet is strongest. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, Brett Musburger would be proud of that. <laughs> he would be very proud. But no, it's been awesome. Yeah, I just um, without uh, spending the first 10 to 12 minutes weeping, um, mm-hmm. oh, to see my family um, and particularly the younger parts of my family who are nothing like the tiny children they were two years ago. <laughs> they, are, they are full young adults. Um, but we have all that. And then we also uh, have, a, have a guest joining us, yep. a friend of the show and a station. And we have been lucky enough to been on, be on his show a few times and you even more than that. Yeah, John Reed will be joining us. Uh, he's host of uh, Race to the Bottom, a show out of Radio Free Brooklyn. So uh, he's a big baseball guy. So we're going to talk to him about some baseball, but then hit on some other stuff as we go. Sure. So yeah, we're going to be uh, hitting on lots of different uh, sports coming up um, in the next hour. Uh, but I want to start with the Premier League uh, yes. because uh, there was some yeah off the off the field moves that that warrant some attention so you know earlier in this transfer window um we saw Lionel Messi uh one of the top one to three players ever um yes. in soccer um I think we can sort of say safely in that range uh who's played for his club team with Barcelona um, his entire career, has now moved over to Paris Saint-Germain um, in PSG in Paris. Uh, but also word leaked out, as it does, that uh, Cristiano Ronaldo also, I think, in that sort of top echelon, one mm-hmm. to three, um, uh, was looking for a move. He's uh, uh, been on a number of different clubs, and so... You know, word leaked out that he was going um, to go to Manchester City, um, who had just won the Premier League like three out of the last four years. You know, excellent team, always chasing that Champions League trophy. Um, And, you know, that sort of striker that you, Tom, as a Manchester City fan had been like, uh, we need a striker. We need that guy who can finish right in the middle, who is uh, Kevin De Bruyne going to pass to. Yeah who is the best, I think, you know, we've had the conversation back and forth between Messi versus Ronaldo, yeah. but when it comes to the, uh, the Ronaldo is definitely the best header mm. I've ever seen in soccer. I mean, yeah. he finishes across with just gorgeous headers all the time. Um, so that is something I think sort of distinguishes him. So yeah, that would have been nice, but you're very good. So it had been sort of remote areas. I didn't get a lot of messages, but one <laughs> Uh, text to speak through be like looks like Ronaldo going to Man City and I said yeah 
not sure how to feel about this. Yeah. Um, so uh, pause there. So yeah. let's 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 tell the entire arc, and then we can move backwards. So then the next day, um, as is usually the case, there is a lot of oh, we're, looks like there's been a change, and Cristiano Ronaldo is actually moving to the other club in Manchester. Mm-hmm. Manchester United, uh, who has long been um, historically better, the better team in the Manchester City, uh, in the city of Manchester, I should say. But mm-hmm. yes, definitely over the last uh, 10 years, I think it would be safe to say that it's been City who's better. So, And that's the club where Ronaldo started his career. I think he was really hesitant to go back to City, um, to go to City, because they are Manchester United's great mm-hmm. rivals. And so uh, there was just, I think there was some hand-wringing on that part. And United said, why don't you come here? Like, we want you. We'll pay you. And so he wanted to, uh, wound up at United. So we'll, we'll come back to the United thing. But let's get back to your original thing of, like, not sure how I feel about him on City. So what was your sort of hesitation, Tom? Um, well, yeah, because he is... I mean, he's a superstar, so that he, he does sort of uh, draw the sunlight to him and may not always leave a lot of sunlight for others. Um, so it was like, oh, like, this is definitely Kevin De Bruyne's team. Whereas I think, I don't know that Kevin De Bruyne has reached the level of Messi and Ronaldo. He has the same skill set and he's just younger. So he has a chance to ascend to that. And I was just sort of like, oh, so is this all suddenly going to be, because, uh, Ronaldo has not been great for, for uh, other than in La Liga, he hasn't been great for titles. Like he's yeah. really good, but a lot of times he sort of loses these frustrating, like four to two games mm-hmm. where he had two terrific goals and sort of sneered at the rest of the team for not being as good as him right. as they lost four to two. So I was just a little like, I just don't want to see the, the chemistry. Like, well, I would love to see somebody again at the center to receive De Bruyne, like an Mbappe or otherwise be like, yeah, I would love to see, a talented receiver just didn't know if I wanted it to be him. Cause it would, it would be just a shift Yeah. Um, where you're like, Oh, I guess we all have to defer to him now, which is weird. Cause in a way I don't feel like that is true on um, uh, PSG for, for Messi. There's just already too many good players there that they're like, awesome that you're here, but, but we're not stopping what we do. But I, I was just a little worried that they might feel like they had you at Man City. Yeah. It's funny because I mean, you said it was Kevin De Bruyne's team. I think it's Pep Guardiola's team. Oh, like, yes, yeah, you're right. You know, like he's the guy in charge there, and everything, information, decision making, game planning, it's really about him, and he sort of made it that way yeah. for good or for ill. You know, in terms of the the play on the field, it's you know Kevin De Bruyne, but yeah, it's a it's a Pep Guardiola team, so it'd be it would have been really interesting to see that. So yes, um, I think. I think probably City would have won the league hands down. I, mm-hmm. I like just with Ronaldo, like even with the like, ooh, how would he fit in? They would have just been awesome. Like he, you know, and again, he's later in his career, not quite the player that he is. He could have just been like, yep, you're just going to stay in the middle and you're going to get awesome passes and we're going to win this whole thing walking away. I, I would have thought that. But instead, so yes, he goes to Manchester United. And, you know, what I said before, he's now 
the villain, even though it's like him coming home, kind of like LeBron, um, Mm -hmm. you know, going back to Cleveland, whereas like Cleveland hadn't really won anything. And, you know, we, we love Cleveland. Manchester United has certainly been successful, uh, especially with him winning plenty of titles. So he kind of now has most Premier League fans aren't really fans of United. They don't really like Ronaldo. So like, it's kind of like a marriage made in heaven. And now like, we can all just root against him, root against United, and I'll be kind of happy. That too. And then still appreciate when they do, you know, yeah. win 4-1. You're know, like, man, those were gorgeous goals. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, so, yeah, that, that, yeah, that, and I'm interested to see what Man City might do in response. Um, while the opening game against Tottenham wasn't fantastic, losing mm-hmm. one nothing, they sure did look really good um, the following weekend, um, winning 5 nothing over – uh, Newcastle, maybe I think is yep. who they played. Uh, um, Norwich, yeah. Norwich, sorry, yeah, with the, their, their great coach who looks like Jason Momoa, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but they looked really good, and then yeah, the, the new pickup, Jack, uh, yes, Jack Grealish, Jack, yeah, he's again super handsome with a hairband, and I'm feeling like <laughs> let's just let him build his legend for at least a couple weeks before we, you know, put him to fourth greatest player on the team. Right. Yeah. And- it's going to be really interesting. I, I, you know, I still think people are uh, sleeping on uh, Liverpool. Um, maybe not you, but I think like they're kind of under the radar. Where like, yeah, when everything's breaking, well, they might be, you know, as good as anybody, as good as yeah. Manchester City, um, Chelsea. Even with a man down, you know, we're able to, you know, steal a point from Liverpool. So they're going to continue to be just great. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, United, this is just a, a stacked team. Um, you know, they have Paul Pogba and Cristiano Ronaldo in the same te- on the same team. Bruno Fernandes, they are just stacked. I, with them, I think it's less, you know, they, they don't have Pep Guardiola who's able to be like, nope, this is how we're going to do it. So there's just a lot of strong personalities on that team. I, I I can't pronounce the Manchester United's manager's name Ole, um, Ole. Um, I, I just call him Judy Dench because yeah. <laughs> he looks exactly like Judy Dench. Yes, he does. Anyways, there's a lot of strong personalities, so uh, we'll see how that'll shake out. It'll be a fun season. That sure is. No, Premier League continues to, despite again all the silliness with the Super League and all that kind of stuff. Premier League. I know La Liga is on and Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. Premier League is what I most consistently go, ooh, I'll watch this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Tom, you um, you had a little right. little sports moment that you wanted to report? Very little. So, yeah, I've been in remote, remote sections of New York, Vermont. Uh, again, not a lot of sports in my world this week, but I just saw what it is to just, like, take out a ball and see what it does. So uh, <laughs> family went down to the park here in Vermont and kind of thing, and we just brought a volleyball along with us. And the next thing you know, there's just a, a circle going. And it started off as a slightly more complicated game, but it basically just became a version of hacky sack, which is just just hit it and keep it going um, with, you know, 10, 12 people um, of various levels of volleyball familiarity and otherwise. But it was just great to see just everyone just like, oh, yeah, and, you know, to get a hack, which is everyone touches it plus one kind of thing to use that and then go for the double hack and all that stuff. So there's nothing more than just awkwardly slapping at a volleyball <laughs> to keep it in the air uh, yeah. and make sure, you know, that Aunt B gets it. What about <laughs> nephew? Yeah. 
Uh, so much fun. And, and just to see my sister Charlene being like, this is the most fun I've had in a really long time. Like, <laughs> Yay good. balls. Yes. <laughs> Yay sports. Yes. Um, so I can report on a um, family sporting activity that I had Please. in the past week. Um, uh, so overnight, I have become uh, a fan of the Asheville High um, football team. Um, so I'm a cougar for life. Uh, we were, uh, Stella, my oldest daughter, or my daughter, my oldest child, is uh, uh, just entered Asheville High as a freshman. And yeah, this last week was her first week of school. And she came home and said, hey, I really want to go to the football game. And we were like, well, um, you know, you're not quite old enough for us to just drop you off there. Yeah. Like, what are the options, you know? And then quickly we figured out that, oh yeah, other parents are there. Parents that we know, uh, either to watch the game or their kids wanted to go and hang out with their friends or, you know, parents of people in the band. So we're like, yeah, let's go. And so Levi went. So all four of us went. Stella split off from us. We had very specific rules about how to engage with one another. Uh, so that was great. So yeah, we watched high school football and gotta say like the beginning was really exciting uh levi said like this is the first live football game i've ever been to and we're like oh this is cool and after the first quarter he was just like so uninterested the game was not quite uh, not all that exciting i guess you could say Asheville high uh wasn't at their best um maybe the i don't know about the talent level this year i think they went five and three last year it didn't look quite quite so good. They were playing against the Kings Mountain Mountaineers. And so, uh, yeah, so Kings Mountain looked great. And, like, it was kind of evident from the beginning that we're like, they're just better, you know? And so, yeah, and, and then we could see, like, you know, we're just like, oh, oh. And then there was kind of like, why are you passing on this down? You need to be right, you know? <laughs> so I'm immediately going to that. But the cool thing was, was – um yeah. Oh, yeah. And plenty of like embarrassing dad stuff. So like I saw a dad wearing a jersey and I I was like, oh, Stella, I'm going to buy a Cougars jersey. OK, I'll put your name on the back. She's like, no, no, you don't get to do that. You know, uh, and then last report, I saw two kids, probably elementary school kids. They were wearing these sort of retro jerseys, basketball jerseys, um, highlighted colors. One was a Mike Bibby jersey and the other a Muggsy Bogues jersey um, Fantastic. from Wake Forest. And I was like, that's great. I'm really happy to be here. So that was my report from Which, so they, they might as be wearing like Gryffindorf jerseys at that point. <laughs> they have no idea who these people are. Yeah. Muggsy uh, Bogues. But that makes us very happy. And that's what counts, really. I was like, wow, a Mike Bibby jersey. You know, at least Muggsy went to Wake Forest. There's a North Carolina. He grew up there. I, I, I think he's still in the area in North Carolina. But I'm like, yeah, Mike Bibby, that's, that's a choice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it is. But that's great. I'd I love to know that you're now plugged into the high school sports circuit. Yeah, I'll have plenty, plenty more reports um, as we go along. All right, as we promised at the beginning, we've got uh, old friend John Reed, who, uh, who is the host of Race to the Bottom on Radio Free Brooklyn. We've been able to be on his show um, a few times, and he's been on our show once, once or twice, but he also gave us some, some key 
audio assistance in the early days of Steve Sachs syndrome in the Mesozoic area of Steve Sachs syndrome. So John Reed, welcome back to Steve Sachs syndrome. It's a pleasure being here as always. Um, yeah, I've, and uh, you've, you've forgotten my bio, former Asheville FM host. That's right. Yes. That's, that's right. Uh, just where it all started. That everyone knows that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, our fans know this. All right. So I said this at the beginning before you joined us, uh, John, at the top of the show. I said, he's a baseball guy. Um, and I think that's a, that's a good description of you. You're a baseball guy, right? I am a ba- I'm a baseball guy. You know what I am, Scott? I'm what? a Mets I'm a Mets guy. You're a Mets guy. Yeah. I can't pretend I'm uh I was thinking about this because, you know, I made plans with one of my best buds. He he actually flew to New York to go see two Mets games and we made these plans like fools in love when the Mets were in first place yes we thought it'd be so fun we said we'll go see them on Thursday play the Giants and then we'll and then we'll tack on a Saturday to see them play the Nationals and um it sounded like a beautiful plan you know revelatory were were you gonna propose um (laughs) no I don't know how to answer that in like a um fun but non-homophobic way it, it yes sounded, and, but no. it, yeah. it sounded sweet that's what yeah, that's no. what i was trying to say we're, yeah. we're gonna rekindle our flame how's how's that sound great uh we used to he used to live in new york and he um he, he came back to to hang and to see mets games and when but, you made the initial plans where you're like yeah the san francisco giants there's no way that they will be the best team in baseball mm-hmm. by late August. Mm-hmm. There's no way. Yeah. And yet there you were. So, uh, so anyway, I've, I've realized that I'm more of a Mets fan than I am a, a baseball fan. And I, I hate that uh, because I want to be uh, just, I want to be able to watch whatever baseball game and get the mm-hmm. same of it, enjoyment out of it. It's the same how I feel, and we might get into this. It's the same way I feel about football. Yeah. I want to watch football and and get all jazzed up. It just doesn't happen. Like a red blooded American, yeah. Uh, but uh, so uh, let's just recap. You so you live in Brooklyn. Um, I can't remember. Have you been a Mets fan since you were a kid, or is it relatively recent? I've been a Mets fan since 1986. Oh yeah. Since I I my first baseball game I ever remember watching was the game where the the uh the ground ball went through Bill Buckner's uh legs. I was playing Uno with my family in <laughs> uh in like Charlottesville, Virginia on fall break and we just thrown the baseball game on. And then at some point my attention started to drift towards the screen and the rest is history. And I grew up in Norfolk, Virginia, which used to be mm. where the tidewater tides, right. well, it, it still is where the Norfolk tides play, but now they are a, a nationals team, but it used to be the Mets team. And we would see the, the, the Mets, you know, it used to be that they would come once, once a year, the, the, um, the MLB team and and play the the AAA team, right. and so I would 
I would do that. Yeah. So, so go ahead, Tom. So it's so, fun uh, to have Mets fans on. We feel like we know a fair amount. Some of mm-hmm. our frequent guests happen to be Mets fans. Uh, I complained that there was about a decade where the Mets were constantly the punchline of every joke. We're like, well, you could be the Mets. I'm like, they're they're not terrible. Like they actually sort of flirt with the playoff um, spot till about two to three weeks left in the city. So, I mean, in the season, it just sort of annoyed me that they were just sort of this like old punchline, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. But uh, you got to this season, new management, bringing some new players, Lindor and otherwise. And yeah, there was a lot of optimism uh, early on, which I think fed some of the man Mets fandom that can be a little annoying, which is like, okay, you've had a good month. Uh, yeah. Try not to react to it as if you are a dynasty. Um, <laughs> so do you sort of find yourself like, yeah, you just can't help it. That's just what it is. Or, or were you more temperate in your uh, early season enthusiasm? I hope I, I want to talk to those, those Mets fans <laughs> that you're referring to, because I think any, any Mets fan with good mental health knows that it's <laughs> going to go South at, at any point. <laughs> And the, it, you know it's it's Shakespearean and it's uh, whatever other hyperbole you can say. It's yeah, I I was uh, cautiously optimistic, but it's uh, it hit this. Well, well, the crazy thing about it is that you know, like all through the major leagues this this year, everyone's injured. Yeah, um, it's a weird season where they played sixty games last year and now they're playing one hundred and sixty two and uh people are not themselves and somehow the mets were in first place with their like not even b squad like their c squad and i remember telling my buddy who i was talking about earlier uh i hope that when the good guys get back into the lineup that they can maintain this uh this kind of weird synergy that they have mm-hmm. and i thought that i had my doubts that they could because mm-hmm. the Mets, what i love about the mets and what i you know drives everyone crazy is i think they're a very emotional team mm. yes. um it's all vibes and weird <laughs> psychological stuff well it's funny because you were like yeah as mets fans we got to be careful got to be cautiously optimistic all these things at the same time, you're still buying tickets with your friend for him to m- come and visit. So, like, even though you're there, you're like, who knows what could be happening in late August with that? So mm-hmm. there is still there is still a little bit of, like, let's see what happens. This could be really cool. So you, there's it's okay to have hope as a, as yeah. a sports fan. I was thinking about... I don't think I've talked to you guys about this. And this is, I think this is good sports psychology thing. Mm. Um, When you are, when your team is in the lead, I, I, I I was going to expand this to, to other sports, but let's just keep this analogy to baseball. When your team is at, um, when your team is on deep with pitching in, in the field, it kind of feels like any small you, they get somebody on base. You feel like, Oh my God, they're going to score. Oh my God. Uh, okay. Two guys on base. Oh my, this, this inning's going to fall apart really quickly. 
when your team is at bat, um, you could have a couple guys on base. You're still feeling like, yeah, I feel like we're going to hit and do a double play. <laughs> There's some weird opportunity cost thing. And maybe I'm just speaking as a Mets fan, but I always, when, when it's, it's the risk aversion thing where, where you feel like anything can happen when it's the other team. Do you guys feel that? Or is that, is that a, a, a PTSD thing for me? Tom, you go first because you have a, a, a well, baseball. Yeah. It's a little bit more specific to being a Mets fan. Um, uh, for me, uh, you know, being a Yankees fan, I'm all about, um, well, let's get it right back. And I felt like the, the better teams of the late nineties and early two thousands were really good for that. Like, if you, if you gave up a run, you'd get another one, mm-hmm. like the, that, that next half inning. Um, so that's how we're always going to look. Let's just, let's just get it back. Let's just get it back right here. Let's just get it back. So there's, and then when that doesn't happen, then I'm like, oh, right. It's not that team anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? So I, I have a little bit of that, which is um, this, this is a different time, but I don't have the, the, the assumption that something's about to go wrong at any time. Yeah. Must be nice. <laughs> Uh, well, let's talk about specifically uh, how was it at the games? Uh, did you guys have a good time? Was the experience at the ballpark fun? I remember one of the things that when we last had you on, you were talking about how sometimes you like to go by just to grab lunch. Like mm-hmm. you're like, yeah, I'm going to pop in, eat lunch, bring a book, maybe hang out. But this was more because you were there with a friend like maybe maybe you were having more of like yeah we're catching the game the two of Mm -hmm. us was it was it more of that kind of thing yes except for the fact that at the last minute my um other good friend who's a mega giants fan uh bought a ticket and tagged along and sat with us um so it's really (laughs) weird when you have somebody you're uh really good friends with who's sitting right next to you and passionately rooting against all your interests uh in the moment uh so that was weird and i had my um kind of dark premonition pretty early in that game that we were um not doing well so we lost that one and it was i was i gotta say i was demoralized i that was the i've been to about 30 games at city field and that's the worst that i felt at any game it felt worse it felt worse than how it, it felt when I knew we were a losing team. It's it's having it and losing it. Um, it's like a White Snake song. I can't think of which one it is, but having it and losing it. If they don't have a song <laughs> called that, they should. Um, but uh, do you get to the point? Do you do you boo your home team? Do you do you ever boo your favorite team? I booed. You oh, did. I booed. I did um, boo. I booed on Thursday and I booed on Saturday. Wow, because that is the thing that has come up. So there are some players, particularly uh, Javi Baez, who came in from the Cubs midseason trade. And I think he and uh, Lindor are mm-hmm. sort of pushing back on the fans. So now when yeah. they do something, when they get a hit and they get on base, they basically do a thumbs down to the crowd. Basically, like, yeah, we boo you. Um, yeah, here, here's the direct quote from Javier Baez. He said, I want to let the fans know when we don't get success, we're going to get booed so they are going to get booed when we have success (laughs) do you think that's the mental makeup of a championship team (laughs) 
Guys, I've been thinking about this all day, all yesterday, uh, since I saw this pop up on Twitter. I'm conflicted about it. Yeah. Um, you know, so let me let me approach this by uh, Javi Baez is talking to me because I'm a fan and he's he. You know, if if he needs to give me a thumbs down to to do better, that's fine. When I I did boo Javi Baez on Saturday at the game, that we ended up winning. I we it's always tough when people sure. say allowed. The Mets ended up winning. Um, but before, when it looked, when things looked bad, I did boo Javi Baez. And, you know, it's, I'm just trying to be present in the moment. This is what I would tell Javi, Javier Baez. I, I was frustrated um, just in the same way I cheer him when he does well. I, I boo him, especially when I'm super frustrated that he seems to be really underperforming. And same with Lindor. I, you know, and I would, I, I, I don't know what else to say. Like it's, I feel like they came from Chicago and there's this kind of Midwestern myth that Midwestern teams don't boo their own players. Maybe that's true. Scott, you seemed like you had something to say about that. Well, that's what I was going to say is like, they're playing in New York city. Like you have to be able to accept exactly what new york is giving them which is both that like if you're not performing they will let you know and if they do if you do well they will let you know like and that happens on the sidewalk it happens in the subway (laughs) you know like move out of my way you know like it's it's just like the mentality of the city so like for me i'm just kind of like guys like i hate to be stereotypical but welcome to new york like this is just what it is like tom you're you are a fan of the other new york city team also spent a lot of time in new york city how does that how does that run by you uh i'm with john like i understand the 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 conflicted and my takeaway was like fine if you want to thumbs down me to hitting 289 go right ahead you know like if this what is makes you and maybe that was the case on saturday this makes you come up with a clutch hit late in the game because you're like screw you fans fine <laughs> then then the booing has served some purpose <laughs> um, i'm not i'm not a big boo guy uh, yeah. particularly with home teams that's just not my uh it's not the the, the colors that i traffic in um but the games and you're like how many uh, how many more games do i have to see sort of a wasted lead or men left on base. Yeah. Like John said, you get frustrated. So, um, but I think, yeah, if it's a fluid situation where they're like, well, we boo you back while we score runs, then fine. Everyone involved is happy. 242, by the way, I just, I probably <laughs> saw me if he was hitting 289, I, yeah. I that it's 242. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you need a little bit more from that. Well, let's take a break right here. Uh, Tom is going to sign off. Thank you, Tom, for joining us. Yes, John, it's great to be with you. Thanks for listening. But yes, I, as I mentioned, I, I must give my nephew his bedroom back. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, I will do that and wish you well with the, the rest of the, of the show. John, thanks for joining us. Uh, yes, we hope that some of the match pitching can regain their health. 
So DeGrom was one of my favorite. And then with Syndergaard getting on the COVID list and just like, mm-hmm. can't this team catch a break? So if anything else, I, I hope that uh, they're at least competitive. And who knew that the Braves would, would turn out to be the, uh, the, the, the strength of that league this year. We are back here on Steve Sack Syndrome. Uh, we're talking baseball, amongst many other things, with John Reed of Race to the Bottom, formerly of Asheville FM. Um, so I want to, I'm uh, going to do some little bit of baseball talk, uh, and then we'll sort of uh, move the lens back a little bit to be, to be a little cinematic. Uh, but so uh, I got to see Noel Murray, who used to write for the AV Club, but I follow him on Twitter. He's also a big baseball fan. Um, and he uh, tweeted out this video of Pedro Martinez, the great former Boston Red Sox pitcher, pitched for the Mets for a couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. And um, started off, I think, with the Expos and maybe the Dodgers early on. But, you know, he's he's a savant. He's a genius at pitching. And he really made it so. So he talked about, um, like... In while like and he he showed this on display where he would uh talk about how if there was a guy on second base and he didn't want to like tip what the pitch was you know and there's all that sort of gamesmanship of like sometimes this guy on second will relay it to the batter so he would change the grip on his pitch mid delivery and he would show how he would do that and I was just like who else is doing that in Major League Baseball except for this genius Pedro Martinez have you ever heard of anything else like that I've never heard of that it did make me think you know one of my favorite pitchers um Seth Lugo Mm. uh for a relief pitcher who started out as as a starter for the Mets um and has gone to the bullpen he seems like somebody who might because he was kind of a curveball mm-hmm. uh crafty pitcher right which made me think about that i kind of got the keith hernandez like pause there um <laughs> yeah, <it's nice. laughs> uh, i think he might have been one of the sticky stuff guys because uh, he's yeah. really starting to to stink um but yeah that craftiness is is great uh and I can only imagine, like, getting to that level. The, everyone has the, a place where their game breaks down. Yeah. You know, I guess that's the through line. You yeah. Know? You, you get some, you, you're a great pitcher, and then people start stealing your uh, your indications when they're on second base. I was a catcher. I played baseball. I was a catcher. Um, I couldn't throw to second. Yeah. I had so the yips thrown to second. And you that, were like Mackie Sasser. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You like that reference? Yeah, it's a very good reference. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, Pedro, I, I remember as a kid, like at some point, I I always watch b- baseball with my grandfather, who was a Phillies fan. Um, but um, that's one of the things. I, I, I've always had a soft place in my heart for the Mets, um, you know, even though the Phillies and Mets um, you know, our, our kind of rivals. Um, but I remember watching the 1984 all-star game 
and my pitch, uh, my grandfather being like, I want to see this rookie pitcher, Doc Gooden, or Dwight mm-hmm. Gooden, as he was. I think he probably just said, this rookie pitcher from the Mets. And we stayed up to watch him, and he struck out the side. And I was just like, who is this guy? You know? And so, but I do remember that idea of, like, that automatic thing when there's a runner on second base, the catcher goes up to the pitcher to, like, okay, we got to change, swap up the, the signs uh, because – yeah, they might steal the sign. And I remember as a kid being like, wait, really? You have to do that? And that's just like this assumed part of the game, which is kind of hilarious. Watch me shoe shoehorn into some something that I wanted to talk about uh, yeah. with, off of something you wanted to talk about. All right. I just look, you, you mentioned the great Pedro Martinez. I just quickly looked up his average velocity. Yeah. Um, his fastball topped out at uh, 89 miles an hour. Yeah. Um, and so I've been thinking a lot, especially um, I think during uh, our little break handoff, uh, Tom mentioned DeGrom, mm-hmm. uh, the the just phenomenal pitcher for the Mets, who who is now probably going to get shut down for the year. DeGrom was already great. He came into the season throwing two or three miles an hour faster than he ever had throwing uh, like consistently like a hundred, 101, like throwing like a relief pitcher speed through the whole game. Um, I watched this documentary called fastball. I think it's on Netflix. It's on different stuff. And they do these simulations. You basically throw your arm off when you throw uh, up into the, the, upper 90s 100 like they they've you know physicists or you know biologists whatever have have just kind of estimated that the human arm just is not going to be able to throw much faster than like 102 103 104 and i don't i don't know maybe i'm in the wilderness here but it seems really obvious that pitchers just shouldn't throw that fast you have I when I was at the game, uh, the Mets game on Saturday. Um, uh, Kuzman just got his uh, Jerry Kuzman, right? The, yeah, the Mets yeah. pitcher just got inducted to the Mets Hall of Fame, uh, and they said during the his kind of the pomp and circumstance, he had like a hundred and thirty-eight complete games. Yes, um, and you just. You know, and now pitchers pitch like five or six innings and it's a great outing. Yeah. Um, I just don't know how sustainable this this um idea is that you're just gonna max out your arm, um, you know, and everybody gets a t- Tommy John, it's like Yeah. That's what I was gonna say is like uh kids, you know young pitchers are getting Tommy John surgery. Sometimes it's elective surgery. Um, I don't know if that's true, but it feels like it um, at, at younger and younger ages. Uh, But you're right. There is this thing of like this cognitive dissonance of like, they're trying to throw it harder, but maybe they're not as good of a pitcher, you know, Mm -hmm. as like a Jerry Kuzman. Or sometimes I think of like, there are certain bodies, certain players that are able to do that 
and some that are just aren't, mm-hmm. you know, and like, you know, I, I, I Maddox, um, a Kuzman, uh, some of these other guys are going to pitch forever, but just going back to Pedro, there was another part of this Noel Murray tweet. That's not about like throwing fast. Mm-hmm. It's about the skill. So uh, Max Scherzer, the great pitcher who's formerly was on the Nationals, now on the Dodgers. Mad Max. Yeah, Mad Max. He threw a garbage pitch out of the strike zone, and Pedro said, quote, he's changing the batter's eye line. Next pitch, he'll throw one at the shoe tops and get a swing and a mix. And Max Scherzer did exactly that, and it was totally cool because Pedro knew exactly what he was doing. And so it's not always about, like, getting to throw 98 miles an hour, mm-hmm. 95. It's just like you're in complete control. And like somebody like Pedro, he was in complete control. Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, like those guys, they you were sort of living in their world. You weren't able to sort of um, to overcome them. And if you could, like, good on you. Like, you're better than most. Yeah, it's... It's uh, Ron Darling, you know, I'm a, a not only a Mets fan, but a Mets uh, like, a, you know, SNY, you know, and they have Keith, Keith Hernandez and Ron Darling and Gary Cohen, who are just, I think, great announcers. Ron Darling will talk about that, about setting up the next pitch yeah. and kind of because um, I remember as a kid watching baseball and just being like, why aren't they throwing strikes all the time? <laughs> yeah. Why would a pitcher ever throw a ball, yeah. you know, and, and then you get, you get into that kind of gamesmanship of, uh, yeah. And if you, I, th- I think that that being able to appreciate the cat and mouse between a pitcher and a batter is, is what makes, takes somebody out from, uh, out of the realm of baseball is boring and into the realm of this is fascinating and I could watch it all day. And it and it's and it's played and operated at its own specific speed. You know, mm-hmm. there's nothing else like it. And you know, so maybe sort of pulling the lens out a little bit, you, like you were saying, like you're a Mets guy, not really a baseball guy. And I think that's really true in terms of like the ratings for baseball nationally. You know, drop every year in terms of like the playoffs, the World Series even like the sort of national game, you know, I don't even know if ESPN does like Sunday night baseball or baseball game of the week, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think those national ratings are always chip away every week or every year, but ratings um, in the local market for the local team remain consistently great. And uh, so baseball is just, uh, it's, the best local sport you know what I mean and you know um I I don't have a favorite baseball team but I know that if I lived in like a major city that had a baseball team I'd be like yeah sure I'm all in because you get into not only the pace of the game but the pace of the season and the city ebbs and flows with it Mm -hmm. very true yeah the the Braves have never uh given you that allure being a i mean that that would be your local team uh i i'm trying not to say something um unkind um blank the the braves is what i want to say i mean wow yeah i like growing up 
being into sports, um, the Braves were on every single night and because they were on TBS. And I was like, I don't care about this team. Like, I'm sick of this team, in fact. And mm. then you would get to, like, yeah, the game of the week. I, I think when ESPN picked it up, but even before that with NBC, yeah. they'd still have the Braves on. And I'm like, <laughs> wait, so we've got the Braves on ESPN and they're on the other channel on TBS. Yeah. I'm like, no, they don't get to do that. You know, <laughs> like it needs to be some other team. And I've always held it against them. And so I, I still don't care about the Braves and mm-hmm. it's just not the same where like you're from, you lived in Asheville. I, I don't feel a part of like the yeah. Atlanta metropolitan area. Heck, even if Charlotte had a team like uh, that's, you know, I I don't really feel a pull towards the Panthers as a uh, NFL team. I, I I like them to do well just because it's they're on TV all the time. I, I'd rather have a, a good team to watch with that. But uh, so I wanted to ask you about, we're sort of talking about, following different sports and things like that. Let's start with the NBA um, in these last few minutes before the, the break, we can get into the NFL during the last segment a little bit, but you, I, I remember once uh, the last time you were on, you were like, I want to be an NBA fan. And you're mm-hmm. like, I've chosen Damian Lillard, Dame Lillard. Uh, I'm just going to follow him. So did that stick? It's it stuck. Um, and not, not only that, I, yeah, th- that seems like so long ago that yeah. that we had that conversation. Um, it was at least a year ago. Um, yeah, maybe more. But, but it's it's kind of um, it's kind of hard to to locate because I feel like that was when basketball was happening off season because yeah. of the pandemic. So yeah. I can't locate it in time. Yeah, I um, think that was last summer when they were in the playoff bubble. Bubble, yes. In, in the thing and then there was a break and then we've had another whole season since yes, then. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So that was a little more than a year ago. I I got into the to the Blazers. I I bought the packages of of tv that i mm. uh, needed that necessitated me watching the uh more basketball uh but not only that i just got into i just watched a lot of the nba and i felt like if i do this if i build it they will come kind of thing and i i got to i know the teams i know the players um and then uh so I got pretty into it during the bubble. And then as a new New York fan and my wife is a uh, diehard Knicks fan. Ah. And so this, this year was so much fun because oh, yeah. uh, we had a little run and I, I was really excited. And now, well, I'm not sure. It seems like the it's died down, but there are some rumblings that, that the Knicks are trying to get Dame Lillard, which would just be this crazy full circle uh, thing. But yeah, I, but you know, basketball is the same thing where it's like, I think it's easiest to get a team. You got to get a team. Mm. If I had to get, get, um, give advice to, to anybody who's trying to get into a sport, you got to pick a team and, and follow them and figure out how to watch regular season games. But you can't watch regular season games if you're not, if you don't have any skin in the game, right. you start betting. Yeah. 
and the other option is fantasy sports yeah. you know and and that's that's probably how i uh, how i'm into it too um because i don't really have a favorite basketball team favorite nba team um even a favorite baseball team um nba i i like the most but even like the premier league in england tom and i were talking about that like i i love that sport i watch the premier league every every week i have a fantasy team but i'm also like there are people who have been fans of like arsenal for generations you know like it's passed down from you know father to son you know mother to daughter you know that kind of thing sorry to be gender stereotypical there um but like i'm like i can't just decide that i like their uniforms and i like them mm-hmm. and like it just felt disingenuous but i'm like i love this the sport um but same with nba like i've just never really had a favorite nba team but i love it and i think it's because for the nba specifically those players are just so compelling you know and so like a guy like Kevin Durant, I, I love watching him play basketball. You know, I don't necessarily love rooting for the Brooklyn Nets, you no. know, and I have guys that I root against, but Durant is awesome. And I really like watching him play basketball. I so root I, against him, actually. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. John Reed, what about your show, Race to the Bottom? What do you want to tell our listeners about that? Been having a lot of guests, and you know who's on uh this weekend is is Asheville's favorite Joe Zimmerman uh Joe's gonna be uh coming on to talk about he he fell in love with uh birding during the pandemic and he's gonna convince me and our dear listeners to to take up bird watching suddenly you just talking about that you were doing the best joe zimmerman impersonation i've ever actually heard he's like hey i took up birding what's wrong with that (laughs) Uh, joe zimmerman is my daughter stella's favorite stand-up comedian she loves him we all love joe zimmerman and i i think there might be a certain scott bunn coming on your show in a couple weeks too yes yes we're um scott bunn and mike vago from uh from how uh, why is this not a movie there you, you guys go. are going to come on and talk we're going to talk about topics yeah I, i'm really excited about <laughs> this it's gonna we're, be so weird it's meta we're we're gonna come up with uh with topics for radio programs uh because i had mike on uh, and we spent the first five or 10 minutes of the show, which we had a whole topic ready to go. We just came up with other topics that we could talk about. So we're just going to get, I, I like to get weird on my show. You guys are so professional on, on Steve Sachs syndrome. You got the breaks, you got the reads. I, I try to keep uh race to the bottom as weird as possible. Uh, uh, you also have, I mean, talking about professional, you have this mind-meldingly great mix at the beginning that is like the coolest thing you hear every time. And you're like, what did that just come from? So that's beyond professional. That is that is magic. So uh, I, I will say that. Um, so yes, looking forward to completing the Home and Home series um, by coming on to Race to the Bottom. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's just finish this up. Uh, love to hear we talked a little bit about the nba baseball 
and the NFL. We've talked about it, um, you know, with Tom a little bit that you just have a, a kind of block when it comes to the NFL. So w- what is that about? Do you think you're on the couch now? I think I told you guys about this. I, I had a traumatic football experience oh, when yeah. I tried to play and I had a coach that tormented me. That's uh, right. Yes. And I, I've also said that when I watch football on TV, if you put the, uh, like the brain sensors to the side of my head, it would just be a flat line. I, I don't react uh, to a game of football. And, you know, to be honest, I know but mental health has been like more of a thing. People admit to things. I suffer from depression. And when I, when I see this, the fall coming along and I see football is going to start be on TV, I get, the, I just like, it's a trigger for me. I feel <laughs> like depression setting in. I'm sorry that I'm laughing at your admission <laughs> of depression, but no, it's, I'm, I think you're laughing at the honesty. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, I'm also laughing because I almost have the opposite reaction. Mm. Because fall starts coming and I'm like, oh, thank God football's back. Mm. Yeah. But here's the thing. Um, The reason why I say thank God is I dislike winter immensely. Um, Gets you through. And fall, I'm not... I I don't enjoy it as much as other people because I know that winter is coming. Mm-hmm. So I'm a spring guy. Yeah. <laughs> you're I you're a I'm mess a spring, guy. Summer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that. So I'm like, okay, fall. And especially last year during COVID, um, we were able to figure out a routine where we could watch Bill's games outside with some friends who were also Bill's fans. Mm-hmm. And you know, like that's such a local experience um being a bills fan too and so that was like and the bills were actually good mm-hmm. you know was a lifesaver like during covid like and jenny my wife and i just said that of like thank god for the bills games every mm-hmm. week you know and even when we couldn't watch outside when it was you know winter and cold we just had something to look forward to. And it was like a once a week kind of thing that you could sort of build up to, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, I, I think like that, that's the pace that I like, but I, again, like I, I like your like sort of like synapses. Like if you had brain readings during the thing, it footballs its own pace too. And yeah. I actually think like watching a football game in person is really boring mm-hmm. Um, whereas on TV, it's just about the perfect television, the televised mm-hmm. sport, I think. I Scott, I'm so glad you appreciate it. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm not joking. I, I f- I'm trying to hold both of these things in mind at yep. the same time. I'm glad you appreciate it. It sounds really nice. I understand how great it is to get with your family and, and friends and and eat food and drink beer. I, I just, it's like, yeah. It sucks to me. I hate it. it. That and that is okay. That is okay. <laughs> hey, John, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate this. This has been great. Anytime. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.